0: We have with us today Melanie Kirkpatrick. She's a fellow at the Hudson Institute, former editor at the Wall Street Journal, where many of our listeners might have seen her her byline actually quite a bit. Her books include Thanksgiving, The Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience, and Escape from North Korea, the untold story of Asia's Underground Railroad. She has a new book out entitled Lady Editor, A Biography of Sarah Josepha Hale and the Making of the Modern American Woman. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you for joining us.
1: It's good to be with you, Mark.
0: So before getting into the details, first of all, just a general overview. Who was this person?
1: Sarah Josepha Hale um, was probably the best-known woman of the 19th century. And I I think she uh, was... One of the most influential women in American history, yet she's not very well known today. Mm-hmm. If people have heard of her, they've probably heard of her as the author of "Mary Had a Little Lamb," mm-hmm. uh, or as the the godmother of our Thanksgiving holiday. But uh, those were two incredibly important uh, achievements for sure. But um, I think her most important legacy is how she uh, changed the national conversation about the role of women in America, starting 20 years before Seneca Falls and the, the Declaration of, of uh, Women's Rights. She was a, a, a monumental figure in journalism as well. She was editor of two magazines, first the Ladies' Magazine, and then Godey's, book, Godey's Ladies' Book, which was the most popular magazine of the pre-Civil War era and one of the first American magazines to circulate nationwide hmm. so her, her 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 words her ideas reached into um, almost every american uh, middle class household uh, because they had a very large circulation, and then the pass-along rate was enormous as well. Hmm. So, um, um, a, a, so much so that the, the phrase Mrs. Hale said <laughs> was uh, a commonplace phrase when talking about uh, women's issues.
0: Hmm. We're going to get into all those details. Uh, you don't begin with an overview of her, you begin with a particular spring day in New Hampshire that turned cold. What happened at, there?
1: At autumn day in New Hampshire. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Septem- <laughs> sorry right. I'm sorry. Right, September of yes. um, of uh, what 1825, uh, uh, 22, 22, and. Uh, Sarah Josepha Hale was at home in New Point, New Hampshire, a little village in uh, the central part of the state. Um, her husband, uh, a lawyer, had uh, gone off to nearby Lake Senape on horseback to visit a client when it began to snow. She was pregnant with her fifth child. And as she watched the snow fall, she began to get worried about her husband who had left unprepared for cold weather. When he finally got home that uh, evening, um, she put him to bed, helped him take off his clothes, put him to bed, and uh, his cold turned to pneumonia, and within a few days he was dead, leaving her with uh, five Little children under the age of seven, and one on the way. This was uh, an uh, this was a turning point in her life, of course, and she was determined to give her children the education that uh, she and her husband David had wanted for them. The two of them, David and Sarah, were. Um, were highly intellectual people, neither had gone to college uh, in that era. It wasn't possible for a woman to go to college, and uh, David's family couldn't afford for him to go to college. And the two of them spent every evening in study. They would sit around uh, the the, tailor, the, uh, the uh, sitting room table and uh, study literature and um, science and history and uh they had great dreams for their five children for the girls as well as for the boys so um but they but when when david died sarah was left without any um any or much money with um, which to continue uh, Uh, the life that they were used to. This wasn't unusual. You think young couples um, are making good money, but they haven't had a chance to save money for their retirements. And so uh, she had to rely on the charity of relatives who were there to help her, and also the Freemasons. Uh, David was a a prominent member of of the Freemasons, and uh, they were prepared to help her too. And uh, so the Freemasons helped her set up a little uh, millinery shop in town. Now, you know, needlework was about the only respectable occupation open to a a woman at the time. Mm. And Sarah hated it, so uh, she worked with um, one of David's sisters and left most of the business to the sister while she would go home and, and, and write. Eventually, um, a couple of years later, she had enough, poet, enough poems written that the Freemasons Masons, um, funded the publication of her book of poetry. It was well received, and uh, she kept writing, and in uh, 1827, uh, five years after David's death, it was published and got uh, her, her novel was published and got great reviews. S- it was so well received. It was um, it was an anti-slavery ni- novel, and that was uh, 25 years before um, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe published uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Hmm. It was so well received that uh, it received a rare honor. It was published in England. An English publisher um, thought it was terrific and. It was well received there
0: as well what is amazing to me is that okay, she's pregnant, she's got five kids and and her her family isn't rich. the people supporting her helping her out uh, and she she's 37, thirty eight years old by now. yep where, where does she get the energy? I have one child it's too much for me
1: <laughs> Well, she was a, a tremendously energetic woman. And she was determined. I won't say she was ambitious because I don't see much hint of, of that, but uh, she was determined to do well by uh, her children, and she was determined to live a useful life as well. This was very important for her, that uh, she thought women should uh, live useful lives and use every one of their talents to the best of their ability. So as, as a result of the, the writing she did um, after David's death, uh, she uh, got an invitation to edit a, mag- a new magazine for women in Boston. And much to the consternation of um, many people in the little town of Newport um, who thought she was a little uppity, she accepted. And that meant uh, she had to parcel the kids out to various family members uh, to live with them, and uh, they would take care of the kids. And the youngest, the baby, um, who was by now a toddler, um, went with her to Boston. She turned Ladies' Magazine into the first successful magazine for women. And the, the main theme of Ladies' Magazine, the, the, uh, there were two, actually, that she pounded again and again, was first, that women needed to be educated. Uh, one of her famous lines was, um, um, Men will never be wise while women are ignorant. And she uh, promoted the establishment of higher edu- schools of higher education for women, and she also promoted um, education for um, women at a lower level. You know, you know, um, a high school for girls in Boston, um, education. Um, for um, women um, on self education for uh, women uh, and sh- and she would uh, publish lists of books that she thought women should read and uh, the other theme that she promoted in her magazine was um, American literature and American culture now from the point of view of the twenty first century, um, we of course think that Americans are interested in reading books and articles uh, set in America and learning about American culture and American history. But um, this was new in the 1820s. America was a new country, and uh, Sarah Hale thought that while um, America had won its independence and was now a a country, it was not culturally independent from, um, from Britain, and it needed to develop its own culture. And so she set about doing that. Her goal was to publish, uh, her stated goal, was to publish only articles by Americans about America. And this, of course, um, was a uh, became a, a popular, helped make her magazine popular. And it called her to the attention of Louis Godey, who was a, a publisher of another magazine, um, called The Ladies Book which was published in Philadelphia and he recruited Hale um, to, he w- tried to recruit her to become editor of, of his magazine and she refused but then he offered to buy uh, a ladies um, magazine so that he could get her and combine the two magazines so he hmm. could get her as editor and that changed her life again
0: you You mentioned the the commitment to American culture, that really goes along with something that you write about her family. They were avid supporters of the American Revolution. They were, they were strong patriots. Did, did she see the culture issue as really just an extension of uh, the, establishment, the the greatness of this experiment?
1: a deeply patriotic woman. As you mentioned, uh, her father fought in the Revolution. Um, Her husband's father was uh, a sentry at the Battle of uh, Bunker Hill, and she had many other relatives who fought, and she would have heard their stories growing up um she uh she thought that one reason of, that she gave for why women needed to be educated was that they could teach their sons and daughters that, uh, to be patriotic uh, she, you know she talked about civic education and how um children needed to know um about their country and um, mothers were the first ones uh, to teach them and she she said um uh, you know that no experiment will have an influence more important on the character and happiness of our society than uh, than uh, giving children, giving women, especially, the advantage of a systematic and thorough education. So, uh, yeah, she did, and she also thought that uh, uh, American culture was a unifying force. And uh, this grew, uh, this was part of why she wanted a uh, national day of Thanksgiving. Hmm. Um, At the time that, um, in the early 19th century, at the the time that uh, Hale was beginning her writing career, Thanksgiving was um, celebrated in every state, but it wasn't. Uh, sometimes, not always, not every year, sometimes the state would call a day of Thanksgiving, sometimes it wouldn't. And it was left to the governor to make that decision. And the governors didn't coordinate. So uh, there's a wonderful saying about how it, if you planned your itinerary right, it was possible to have a Thanksgiving dinner every week from uh, Election Day till Christmas. <laughs> Because uh, Thanksgiving days were, you know, held uh, in, in, um, in, on different days in, in every state. So starting in the, the 1840s or so, she began to call for a coordinated national day of Thanksgiving. And this was part of her idea that uh, um, America would be unified by celebrating and giving thanks on the same day she um, as the years went by she hoped that it would help ward off civil war if uh, hmm. we could all celebrate together on, on the same day and remember our blessings uh, she would write she wrote to every president um, and uh, in in that period And she got replies because she was a celebrity, she was well known, she was influential, and um, she was very well respected. But the replies were negative. Um, uh, Presidents didn't want to do it for different reasons. Uh, The usual reason was that, that they gave was that this was uh, uh, not something that the executive branch should involve itself in. It it belonged to governors to make such a decision. Another argument against a national Thanksgiving was that it was a religious holiday and presidents should not involve themselves in religious matters. But finally, um, in 1863, uh, her letter to Lincoln was well received and in the middle of the Civil War, he, Lincoln decided to proclaim a national thanksgiving at, at the urging of Sarah Hale. And that was the beginning of our modern tradition of a, of a national thanksgiving. She continued to write to the presidents after Lincoln's death until she died. And they, of course, that was Johnson and uh, Grant and then Hayes, I believe. And,
0: all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. You know, you you mentioned she she edits the ladies' magazine. Was there primarily, was that a female audience, the readership? Uh,
1: it was both, Mark. Um, primarily female, I would say. But the ladies' magazine, uh, it was interesting. In her first... Um, uh, her first article, her first, um, uh, you know, to her readers of the ladies magazine in January of, of 1828 was, um, kind of a tongue in cheek entreaty to the men, uh, in women's lives to subscribe on uh, the behalf of their wives or daughters or, or sisters. Uh, and, uh, if you read it today, it sometimes seems a little, um, you know, you, 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 your hackles can raise thinking, now, why does she have to ask the women? Let the women sub- subscribe for themselves. But, of course, uh, women in those days had no uh, property rights of their own. Um, their uh, their money was managed by uh, their male protector. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, But the the readership was primarily women, Um, and then when Godey's Ladies' Book, um, when she took over Godey's Ladies' Book nine years later in the late 30s, um, she had established a following, and um, uh, she was able to um, expand that following because of uh, Mr. Godey's. enormous um, gift for promotion. He was sometimes compared to P.T. Barnum and uh, uh, in his uh, abilities to promote uh, Go Lady's Ladies book and mm-hmm. Mrs. Hale. So uh, the magazine circulation really shot up.
0: Well, I'm, uh, I'm amazed when you list the contributors that she managed to recruit, including Poe Hawthorne Longfellow, John Greenleaf Whittier, Washington Irving, Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., uh, yes. William William Cullen Bryant. How did she manage to pull in the greatest writers of the age?
1: Well, remember, uh, they weren't necessarily uh, well established at the time, right. and she. Um, there were two ways. She had no hesitation in writing to somebody and asking them to uh, contribute. To her her magazine, or to the books various books she edited, and but but writers were pounding on her door too because she was editor of of two powerful magazines and they wanted to be published there so that then um, uh, their work would um, you know they, would be popularized and hopefully readers would buy their books etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was a virtual virtuous circle, so to speak. Yeah. But um, she, uh, her talent in recruiting. Uh, writers and also identifying them was terrific. Early on, she was one of the first to spot the talent of Edgar Allan Poe and publish him, and one of the first to spot the talent of Nathaniel Hawthorne. I
0: think, they, and, didn't you say she him? reviewed, She reviewed Hawthorne did a little volume of poems, right, that right. she reviewed and thought, hey, this guy, this guy's good.
1: Yes, yes, re- re- reviewed it in rapturous terms. She, I, I think her exact words were, go out and buy this book. So, um, yeah, and her, uh, her literary, um, uh, her ability to spot literary talent was superb. And the same held true for the women she published. Their names are not as well known today, but um, uh, she helped, so these are people like um Lydia's Child and Lydia Sigourney, uh Harriet the young Harriet Beecher Stowe, um and she uh, she helped make um these um female writers successful too. She created the idea that um of um writing as a profession, a responsible a respectable profession. For women, and mm-hmm. so um, they would, she would publish their poetry and their short stories, and uh, help them uh, be successful. Yeah. So much so that in the early 1850s, there was a, a, a famous comment by Nathaniel uh, Hawthorne, now very successful, uh, that um, he was very annoyed that all these that Americans were buying the, the books of these women rather than his books. Right.
0: So, right. I think his line is that damned mob of scribbling women.
1: That's right. Damned mob of scribbling women.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I have a semantic question for you. What was a blue stocking?
1: Oh, a blue stocking was a derogatory term for um, a, a wo- an intellectual woman. Hale hated the term and said so forthrightly. Um, I don't know where it, it came from, but yeah. um, she she tried to uh, expunge it from the vocabulary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, Lydia Maria Child and Harriet Beecher Stowe, both of them uh, strong abolitionists. But you say that Hale herself wasn't quite an abolitionist. What was her position on the slavery question?
1: This is interesting. And again, I think it's something that's hard to um, hard to accept from the point of view of the 20th, 21st century. But um, she uh, was um, against slavery um, as a moral matter and made that very clear. But she uh, did not think that it was worth going to war over and that it was better to um, you know, follow the founders' um, uh, decision and just wait it out, that eventually it would be um, abolished. And she, she, secondly, she thought that uh, freed slaves would have a terrible time fitting into America. Um, Uh, as because of the prejudice and discrimination against them. So she was a supporter of um, what was called colonization, Mm -hmm. that is, uh, sending freed slaves um, to uh, Africa, particularly the country Liberia, which was established um, by freed slaves. She wrote a book in the 1850s called Mr. Payton's Experiments, and uh, mr Peyton was a slaveholder, and he wanted to free his slaves but he didn't know where they would be happy he wanted to f- send them to a place where they could be successful and he tried canada uh, in the book and it was a failure um, the slaves the freed slaves were not successful there and then he tried a, um, a city in the east and an unnamed city in the east, and that didn't work out. And he tried a rural area, Um, also that didn't work out. So finally he sent them to Africa, where they were successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she helped to popularize that idea. Of course it was, uh, um, she never addressed the moral question of um, taking, uh, making slaves leave the country where they and their families were, were born so it wasn't an, or also the economic question it wasn't possible to send the thousands of of enslaved people uh, as a practical matter it wasn't possible to send them to africa so um i i don't think this was a high point in in her intellectual life but it was a, a it was logical it was a reasonable point of view
0: yeah. at the time I was up in Boston uh, a week and a half ago and taking the subway in and looking uh, looking over at that hill. There was some monument over there. She had something to do with that, didn't she?
1: <laughs> Bunker Hill Monument. It's a wonderful story, Mark. Um, the Bunker Hill Monument was one of the first uh, historical monuments in, in American history. and. Um, uh, A group of men in Boston got together in the uh, uh, early 1930s trying to raise enough money to erect a monument to um, the the first battle of uh, the Revolutionary War um, at Bunker Hill. Uh, They uh, couldn't raise the money. And to make the story a little shorter, uh, Sarah Hale uh, stepped in and said, let me ask the the women of America to help, and she uh, was criticized for this, saying that raising money was a man's job, and in any case, the the money that women had would come from uh, their husbands, but she replied very diplomatically that uh, no, she uh, was going to put a limit on the amount of money that a woman could send in, and it would have to come out of um, her housekeeping money, or she could uh, sell her jewelry and give that money, or, or something else that was valuable, and give that money to the cause. So she uh, was allowed to do this, and she did raise quite a bit of money, but not enough to finish the monument. Um, As the years, a couple of years later, though, um, when the um, men were about to abandon the idea, she had another idea, and that was to hold a A fair in boston and all the proceeds of the fair would uh, go to the the bunker hill monument and uh, she was allowed to do this and it was enormously successful raising more money than they needed and um, the monument was then um, established and built and uh, you can see it today as you did as you traveled uh, yeah. On the Boston uh, Metro.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, why did she oppose the vote for women?
1: Um, let me back up a, a minute, Mark, if I may, just to, to say one other thing about uh, Hale and philanthropy. Yeah. Uh, the Bunker Hill Mo- Monument and also her work on behalf of the Seamen's Aid Society, helping um, the wives and sisters and children of seamen to. Um, uh, uh, find remunerative work in Boston. Both of those are examples of how she, Sarah Hale, was one of the first women to lead major philanthropies in America. And um, in this, her example was a model for um, women and led, I, I would argue, to the establishment of some of the more famous early philanthropies such as the Mount Vernon's uh, Ladies' Association and the uh, Women's uh, Christian Temperance Union. Uh, uh, the women who formed those philanthropies stood on the shoulders of Sarah Hale. Hmm. So okay. now I'll, I'll go to your question about yes. uh, suffrage. Um, I think um, her opposition to suffrage for women is the reason that she is not so well-known today. Um, She opposed suffrage for women um, because she thought um, women—she thought politics was a a dirty business. Who can argue with that? Mm -hmm. And that women should rise above it, that uh, women were of a higher moral character— than men, and um, they shouldn't get their hands dirtied in in politics, and so use their influence instead to remind men of um, the important moral implications of 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 what they were involved in in politics. Um, I think that this was in part just because of her age, that uh, you know she was uh, a woman of the 18th. Century, and uh, she had she was a radical on a lot of issues when it came to to uh, women's rights, but suffrage was just a, a bridge too far. Toward the end of her life, um, she died in 1879. Uh, and toward the end of her life, she supported women serving on school boards, and uh, which would have meant being elected to school boards. And so I think uh, that's a hint that perhaps, um, you know, if she had lived longer, if she died at the age of 90, um, she she might have changed her mind uh, about suffrage, or at least I like to think that.
0: The book is Lady Editor, Sarah Josepha Hale and the Making of the Modern American Woman. Melanie Kirkpatrick, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure, Mark.